Welcome to the Confidence Conversation podcast with me, Joy Burnford. This show explores the world of women, work, and what it takes to feel more confident. A lack of confidence is not a crime, so if you need some motivation, inspiration, or a boost of confidence, grab a cuppa, go for a dog walk, or escape for a drive, and join us for today's conversation about confidence. Our focus for this season is on getting to the top, and I'll be talking to some incredible women and experts from around the world to share their real-life stories, advice, and tips to inspire you in your career. And I'd like to say a big thank you to Gail Morgan Style for sponsoring this season. Focusing on mindset, colours, style and wardrobe management, Gail has inspired me and thousands of other women to increase their visibility, impact and influence by reducing wardrobe overwhelm and confusion. She truly is a master of her craft and completely understands how the right clothes can immediately increase your confidence and credibility. Gail is offering our listeners 15% off all her virtual and in-person colour analysis sessions and any of her other services when you reference this podcast. To find out more, see the link in the show notes or visit gailmorganstyle.com. A very warm welcome to today's podcast. I'm Anna Richards from City Parents, the team that brings working parents support and expertise to help you to balance your home and work lives. And I'm thrilled to be joined today by Joy Burnford. Joy is the founder and director of My Confidence Matters. She has bags of experience as a leader in the corporate world, and she's a veritable trailblazer in gender equality. Today's episode is a joint one featuring both on City Parents Talk as well as Joy's podcast, The Confidence Conversation, and we hope you enjoy it. In celebration of this year's International Women's Day, where the theme surrounds breaking the bias, we're going to be discussing gender equality, bias and confidence in the workplace. Joy is currently writing a book called Don't Fix Women, A Practical Path to Gender Equality. So Joy's expertise and current thinking is absolutely central to this theme, and I'm really delighted to have the time to talk to her today. Joy, thank you so much for joining me. Let's start with some thoughts from you really around the current state of play in terms of gender equality at work. And you've got lots of experience in different roles over the last 20 years. When you look back, do you feel do you feel positive and heartened or do you feel frustrated and disappointed by, by lack of progress? I think it's a really good question, Anna, and thank you for having me on the podcast. I think there's definitely been some progress, but I don't think there's been enough progress. We've seen the gender pay gap reporting that's been very much present in the last few years, apart from obviously during the pandemic when it stopped. That started, which has been great, and it's giving people that, you know, being conscious about these things. I think there's still a long way to go, and taking action as part of that is still somewhere that organisations need to, to go. I think there's been progress on things like the FTSE Women Leaders Review, which used to be called the Hampton Alexander Review, where they set a target of having 33% of women on boards, which they've achieved. I think they, in the next phase, are looking at how to bring more executive leadership positions with women rather than non-exec positions. So there's been some really great progress and strides. And I think people are having the conversation more, which is brilliant. I don't think it's moving fast enough. The World Economic Forum talks about still being 268 years away from economic pay gap parity, which has actually gone up since 2018. It was 202 years. It's now gone up to 268 years, which is, you know, it's not in my lifetime, you know, in our lifetime, it's not in our children's lifetime. It's not in our great, 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 great grandchildren's lifetime, which is, it's really sad, I think, (laughs) that that's still what the, the prospect is. 
But I'm very heartened that organisations are now starting to look at things like shared parental leave, carers leave. They're putting a lot more focus on things like health and wellbeing and things like menopause support for women and that sort of thing, which I think is, is fantastic. And it's sort of going a long way towards being better at gender equality. But as I was chatting to a CEO just before Christmas for my book, and he was saying that we just need to pick up the pace a bit more around gender equality and not just say, oh, it's going to take time and accept that. We need to make some small changes to make big, big change happen. Absolutely. And and in the last couple of years, we've obviously had the pandemic, which has certainly accelerated an acceptance of remote working, where we'll end up in this new hybrid world. I, I'm not sure. To what extent has that helped the gender debate, Joy, do you think? Or have there been any ways that, in fact, it might have hindered it? Well, I think any parents who are listening, perhaps during the lockdowns and the middle of the pandemic, I think it probably hindered quite a lot when you're trying to work and homeschooling and and all of that. And I think um, you may have seen the research that McKinsey did saying, you know, one in three women are considering downshifting or leaving their careers, which is really sad. And I think a lot of that came on the back of the pandemic and just people feeling they couldn't cope with the, the burden that was on their heads. But I think where it has helped is really it's given the pandemic's given partners, husbands, wives, you know, insights into parenting and career juggle, you know, real insight into what goes on in those people who, are, who do have caring responsibilities. So I think that's been really, really helpful. And I think the fact there was a mandate to work from home, suddenly overnight, organisations had to make change happen. For so many years, people said, oh, we can't do working from home. We can't do flexible working because it's too difficult. You know, we haven't got the IT systems in place to support that. And then suddenly overnight, remote working became the norm. So that's really, really positive. And I think the one thing we need to just be careful of is we don't revert back and have a sort of two-tier workforce in the future. I think a lot of men and women have benefited from working remotely, working flexibly, which is great. And I think we just need to make sure that organisations don't say everybody's coming back to work or that women stay the ones that stay looking after the children and being in that stereotypical world of being at home and that the men go back into the office because then we've got that you know, two-tier workforce again. So I think as long as we keep being mindful of that and organisations can track who's working from home, who's not, and make changes um, as necessary. Interesting, isn't it? I remember when we were first talking about hybrid working and the idea of some people being in the office and some people being remote and, you know, having worked for a global organisation, that's completely normal in lots of ways. Yes. It was quite normal. We had lots of us be in a conference call and people from um, Hong Kong or America dialing in and the rest of us all in a meeting room in London. So it's, lots of that is part of the way that lots of corporations work. And in some yes. ways it feels very new. So, And I think, yeah, and I think one of the things I recommend to organisations if they're doing that hybrid working, it's making sure that everybody who's in the room, the physical room, has a small screen with their face on it so that the people who are working from home also see a small screen with their face on it so that it's not them and us. And actually having that screen for each individual, I think, really helps as well. That's a nice idea. A bit of a leveller, I suppose. Yes. yes. Interesting. So when you're speaking to your clients or even people that you're interviewing for your book, presumably, Joy, mm. what are the main issues that you think are still very present today? And I suppose putting a parent's lens on that as well. I've always felt there's so much discussion about gender and one of the big elephants in the room is often around retaining particularly female talent is the difficulty is often when they become parents and personal mm. lives become that much more demanding and pressured as well and important. Mm. What, what are the big issues that you hear about on a, on a daily basis? So, yeah, so talking about my book, there are some challenges in particular for women and actually it's not just for women. So the book's being written with women in mind, because it's about gender equality. But a lot of the things I talk about um, in the book 
do also you know impact men as well who are potentially taking on parenting responsibilities so i think there are three main challenges for women in the workplace and in the world at large really so the first one is hormonal challenges which i call the four m's which is monthlies miscarriage maternity and menopause so these are four things that are obviously things like miscarriage can affect men as well but they are predominantly female issues that have a big impact or can have a big impact on women in the workplace. And a lot of organisations are now picking up things like menopause support. And actually, we're running something called the Hormone Hubs to support women in this area. So the hormonal challenges are a big thing. The second area is caring responsibilities. And this is, as we've touched on, childcare. It's also elder care, could be a combination of the two. And it's also self-care and having that time to look after yourself. Because often, as busy mums, wives, we often put our own self-care to the to the back and we don't really think about our own health and well-being so it's really important to think that we do that and then the third area is about confidence and I know that both men and women can suffer from a lack of confidence we've done research in the past which shows that women do lack confidence more than men and suffer from imposter syndrome and I think often I think that men lack the confidence to say they lack confidence so it is something that we, we see a lot of women do struggle with and the reason I set up the business, My Confidence Matters, was to shed a light on this and, and to show that actually confidence is a skill that can be learned. And it's something I've gone through. I have confidence gremlins all the time. You know, I was sharing with you earlier that actually I, I don't like doing things like this. I hate being interviewed. And I have to kind of push myself out of my comfort zone to do it. And I think in the past, I probably would just not have done it. I would have said, no, I can't possibly do a podcast interview. Whereas now I say, yes. I push myself and like writing my book, I was thinking, I want to do this. So I'm just going to do it and tell people I'm going to do it. And then it's been really hard work. But at the end, you know, I've pushed myself and it's how you, how you develop and how you stretch and how you get better at things. And I do a talk for organizations called the confidence cycle, which goes through all of these things about how you stretch and identify your strengths and consider your mind monkeys and, and how you overcome those things and celebrating achievements. It's a big thing, confidence. Absolutely. That's very present issue as mm. I'm sure every day in the workplace um, Joy, can you start to nail some of the solutions to some of this from a from a workplace point of view what do you think mm. that employers and leaders and and managers should be doing to tackle some of these issues do you think yeah, absolutely and I think that the main point is there's, there's two things really there's inclusive leadership having leaders at the top of organizations who as I say in my book they have to have DNI in their DNA and really feeling passionate and being inclusive from the very top. And then that cascades down the organisation. And so if you start with an organisation with a leader at the top, as we know, a lot of leaders are men. So it's getting men really in this, the right zone, feeling passionate about gender equality. So it's about having inclusive leaders. It's also about having the right culture in the organisation. And in the book, I talk about three different cultural frameworks that I believe you need. And with these I believe that gender equality will come. So the first one is flexibility. And we've talked a bit about flexibility. And that really is not necessarily remote working, uh, but it can be. It's about having the um, work based on output rather than input and trusting your employees to be able to work wherever, whenever, however they want to work to get the job done, as long as it's not in any way um, compromising the organisation. And that's about changing the way that you reward your staff as well but giving that flexibility so that it's not doesn't have to be a nine-to-five job in an office for example and we are moving away from that but I think it's just making sure this presenteeism or e-presenteeism kind of goes away um, completely so that's the first one the second one's about allyship 
And this can be men or women being allies to to other women uh, or those in a minority and making sure that this is the, the culture that you're creating is one of allies and that people are supporting each other. We do in the book, I talk about a framework called Spaces, which we won't go into detail now, but there's information on our website about that as ways that people can actually if they're not sure how to become an ally, these are quick and easy steps that you can take. And I think the main thing really is about curiosity and asking how you can be more supportive. So that's allyship. And then the third one is around coaching and support and having a coaching culture rather than a more traditional command and control culture. I think organisations are moving on quite a lot from that nowadays. Having coaching conversations on a daily basis. It's not about just having external coaches because not everybody can afford to have external coaches, but it's about yeah, encouraging line managers to have those coaching conversations with their people. I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. I want to take a moment to tell you a little bit more about my reasons for doing this podcast. At My Confidence Matters, our mission is to work together to navigate a path to gender equality through building confidence and capability. I'm passionate about enabling every woman to have the confidence to progress in their career, and I love talking to and sharing women's stories to inspire others. This podcast forms a small part of what we do, and if you think there's room for improvement in the way your organisation understands and manages the issues, barriers and obstacles that women face in the workplace, please do get in touch or tell your HR contact about us. There's a link in the show notes. And don't forget, developing a consistent personal brand can help you build your confidence and achieve your ambitions. So if something as simple as clothes is standing between you and your success, the amazing Gail at Gail Morgan Style is offering you 15% off all colour analysis and other services when you reference this podcast. about when we think about individuals particularly women for the moment perhaps somebody is is feeling that they're being held back either by themselves perhaps it's their own lack of self-confidence or imposter syndrome you've mentioned or they might feel that actually they're operating in a working environment that's holding them back with mm. some of these biases mm. what advice would you give to them it's really interesting question because I had a call the other day from a friend of mine who I haven't spoken to for about five years and she rang me and said she said I, I was just trying to think who to ask some advice from because I've got a three-year-old daughter and a dream job of hers has come up a senior role in an organization and she said I just don't know whether to go for it because I've got my three-year-old and I'm not sure whether I've got the ability to go for it I mean if she didn't have a child she'd be going for it and and I was like gosh this is just so spot on with my book because I was thinking you know this is what so many people are going through and thinking can I do it and so my response to her was be brave and ask for what you need at home and at work. So taking each of those in turn. So at home, for example, asking for what you need and getting help with things like the mental load. I'm sure you've heard of that mental load and having so many things going on in your mind and how you manage all of that. So helping with mental load. So this could be asking a, a partner, a uh, husband, um, about taking on some end-to-end tasks. So there's a a great book by Eve Rodsky called um, Fair Play, and she talks about taking on whole tasks. So, for example, my husband deals with all the football in the house. So uh, my daughter plays football. He manages everything from the the kit she needs, the going to the, I was going to say rehearsals, I don't mean rehearsals, what do you call them? Um, Practices. (laughs) 
See, I don't get involved in the football conversation. <laughs> um, but actually taking on all of that. So I don't have to even consider the WhatsApp group that think, you know, messages are pinging up on or, or anything like that. So it's it's taking end-to-end tasks. So I'm not always thinking about every single thing that is needed in the house. And so that's the mental load. And then also thinking about the physical load and outsourcing what that you that you can afford to or what you don't need to do yourself. So I'm a big believer in you. You can't do everything. It's impossible to do everything. So if you really work out what it is you need to do and you want to do, and then get help with other things, if you can, whether that's paying for help or whether that's asking friends and family. You know, for me, I have a wonderful cleaner, home help, and she helps me with things like the washing and, you know, the cleaning and things that actually I don't particularly want to be doing or spend my time doing. I'd rather be spending my time with the kids and doing the work. So it's being brave and asking for what you need is critical. So that's at home. And then likewise at work, it's about asking for things like flexibility, not just assuming because it's not offered that you can't ask for it. It's about things like you might want to ask about job sharing or, you know, flexible working, or it might be asking for a coach, or it might be talking about boundaries and and non-negotiables about what you really need as part of your working life. We talk a bit about things called buffering and focus time. So you don't go from meeting to meeting without a time to sort of break and have a bit of downtime. So there are lots of things you can ask for, but really making clear what you need to help you do your job. I would definitely say to like my friend, I said, go for it. Just go for it. You can't stop your career and life because you've got a child. You know, they're there to enhance your life, not to... (laughs) And I know I'm a better mother for working. So, you know, if if you're like me and you, you, know, you get a lot of energy and passion and enjoyment from work, then, you know, don't get it, give it up because you're, you know, an Arab mm. parent. Oh, I hope she goes for it. I do too. Yeah, I do too. Absolutely. I'm sure she will with your with your brilliant advice. Really interesting, Joy, because I think we're all quite good at doing sort of reviews and audits and assessments when it comes to work. But actually, we need to place that lens over our lives sometimes and actually assess the tasks and what mm. needs to be done when and who can do what and mm. and as you say delegate and I really like that end-to-end point because it's mm. one thing getting things ready for football that day but actually it's everything else that go with it yes. isn't it so I, I really like that and, and also you make the very valid point about sort of dialogue with your employer ask you don't know if you if you can have a flexible working arrangement yeah. until you ask for it mm. I always remember in a past life having a clash which was a meeting with the managing partner of the firm I worked for and I was pretty junior at the time clashed with I think it was sort of end of term performance or something for my daughter and I just both were so important to me and I remember being brave enough to ask my manager you know about this and she moved the meeting which with his diary it was almost impossible and I'll never forget it and I'm obviously telling you now it it meant a lot to me and that gives you a lot of you know good good feeling and you probably end up going the extra mile in another in another way so I think it works both ways Mm -hmm. and so Joy we've touched on the role that men play in all of this I'm conscious that back in the day you know men in very senior positions often had a wife at home would take on the brunt of the the home life of course that's a traditional role and actually they could just focus on work and so their roles had to shift a little bit a lot I suppose and and you've mentioned how the pandemic has actually been helpful in in this regard have you spoken to many men for your book what do they have to say I have and I was really keen to I spoke actually very honoured to speak to a lot of CEOs of major you know blue chip companies actually before Christmas which was really interesting and I remember one conversation with the COO of Coots actually and he was talking about inclusion in the home and he finds that he's trying often to be more hands-on dad and they've agreed between them he, he and his wife want to do more but often he feels excluded at places like the school gates and 
I think it was him that mentioned that I think his wife had said it was my kitchen or something. And we're talking about break the bias. It's actually the stereotypes and checking what you're saying when you're saying it is really important and making sure that men feel included in that, you know, at the school gates, not like, oh, oh, you're having a day off today and you're, you know, babysitting the children, you know, and just checking that you're being inclusive as a, as a female as well. It's really important. Um, and I loved listening to your podcast with Simon um, Kettlewell, of the the author of Eternity Leave. I thought it was so fascinating, really, really fascinating. And when I was thinking about this podcast, I was thinking, you know, it's so important to be an ally at work, but also at home for men to be allies at home and at work. And I was thinking, you know, how do you how do you do that if you're a man listening to this? I think the first thing is about being curious and listening, and that comes back to the kind of coaching philosophy as well. You know, asking questions and listening, and you know, at home is asking, how can I lighten the load for you? And at work, it might be, you know, what changes can we make to support you with your caring responsibilities? Or it might be, is there anything we can do to support your menopause symptoms? Or, you know, and actually not being afraid to ask and being brave again, you know, for men as well as for women. And often men say, I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say and I'm not going to say anything because I'm scared about saying the wrong thing. And I actually had a conversation recently with a transgender woman and I was quite scared about the conversation and I opened up to her and I said, I've never knowingly had a conversation so open you know about being transgender and I was a bit worried and I thought this is must be how a lot of men feel about having conversations with women as well and I think the key is just just be curious ask questions and be honest that you don't know the answers and and often you know people want to help so so that's the first one I think secondly it's about giving encouragement I don't know whether you're like me but you like I like feedback and like to know I'm doing a good job and <laughs> I've had bosses in the past who've just not given me any feedback and I'm like oh am I doing a good job and even though I am doing a good job I like to hear it so I think you know give give feedback and give encouragement and often at home you know motherhood and being a wife is a thankless task so you know say thank you as well to those who are around you who are, who are doing a you know, great job. I know being a mother is the most difficult job I've ever had to do, um, much more than a corporate job. And I think finally, it's setting an example and being more present at home with your with your kids. It's about showing your friends, male friends perhaps, and not not hiding away from the fact you're doing more around the house or more supporting in in the home. You know, breaking the bias at work and speaking up if you don't think somebody's being treated fairly, for example. And as I said, you know, women need to also set an example by being inclusive in the home as well. Thank you, Joy. I think that's such fantastic, actually very simple advice that we can apply to lots of things. I've really enjoyed um, chatting to you today. Thank you so much Aww. for talking about this rather nutty topic. Um, <laughs> it's a pleasure. <laughs> it's been fantastic. And thank you to our listeners as well. If you're listening as a follower of City Parents Talk, do check out and subscribe to The Confidence Conversation to hear more from Joy and the brilliant experts that she interviews. And likewise, if you're a regular follower of Joy's, do look us up at City Parents Talk. All are available on any major podcast platform or link from My Confidence Matters or City Parents websites. Thank you, and we look forward to welcoming you to our podcast again soon. And that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll be back again soon with another Confidence Conversation. If you know anyone who might find this podcast useful, please do pass on the link. And it would give me a real confidence boost if you could subscribe, rate and leave a review. If you like what you've heard, join us at theconfidenceconversation.club, where I'll be sharing tips and notes from each episode. And you can send in your ideas for future topics. 
And remember, you can get 15% off all virtual and in-person colour analysis sessions and other services at Gail Morgan Style when you reference this podcast. To book, get in touch at gailmorganstyle.com. Thank you. And until next time, bye for now. (laughs) 